Today at St. John's we have a, a baptism that we're going to do right in the middle of the Mass. So I've kind of framed my homily uh, as, a, as a baptismal homily, but uh, I can't make up three different homilies or two different homilies for everybody, so I'm going to give you guys a baptismal homily. I'm going to tie it into the Gospel text here, but first a story though, and uh, you'll see eventually how it all ties together. It was April 1976. True story. April 1976. There was an immigrant worker by the name of Maria who, uh, for the first time, was in the city of Seattle, Washington. And she was she started to experience heart complications and they brought her into Harborview Hospital. Very, very big hospital in, in Seattle. She had a she went through a double cardiac arrest, and it was very serious. At one point, her heart completely stopped, and uh, after about 20 or 30 seconds, she flatlined the EEG, you know, no brain waves. So, no, so clinically, she died. Nurses, doctors all came in and tried to revive her, and they were eventually successful. They, they got her back. They brought her back. And when she came to after her resuscitation, she was very anxious. Uh, she didn't want to talk about her medical condition. She didn't want to talk about anything. But she wanted to talk to a particular person. She had something kind of burning on her mind and her heart that she wanted to talk about. So they sent her to uh, Kimberly Clark, who at that time, Kimberly Clark is a just retired professor uh, at the University, I believe, of Washington. And... Um, she specializes, I think, in basically kind of like uh, um, counseling, but counseling in terms of medical procedures and people who are going through medical procedures. And she was doing kind of an internship for graduate work at that time back in 1976. And so they sent her to Kimberly as a, as a counselor. And Maria relayed to her that that after, you know, at some point she was brought in and laid out and, and they, they were working on her. And at some point her... Consciousness separated itself from her body. And she at some point could, she was looking down at her own body on the operating table. And she could see the different nurses come in and she could describe what the doctors looked like. Oh, there's that, that other doctor with the red, red hair and a mustache came in and she was describing everybody very accurately. And she said her consciousness basically kind of elevated or floated up to the corner of the operating room and then it actually left the confines of the hospital itself and she saw the outside of the hospital and she saw, kind of strange but interesting enough, on a window ledge there was a shoe, a blue shoe and it belonged to the left foot and its lace was tucked under the heel. She saw a very minute description of the shoe. She wanted uh, Ms. Clark to try to find the shoe. She wanted to know, is this, am I, was I hallucinating? Was this the real event? And Kimberly Clark was a little bit, well, intrigued, but skeptical, of course, at the same time, uh, but yet curious. And she, and, was, and she said it was on the third floor. And so Kimberly Clark went to each window on the third floor, and she found it. She went to the western end 
of the hospital. There was no buildings, other buildings on that other site, so someone could sneak up and look at and see the see the shoe from the from the ground. No one would have been able to see the shoe, so it was very kind of in a concealed location. It's on the western end of the hospital building. She got the shoe and brought it back, and uh, they they both you know kind of cried and and, and hugged each other. And uh, this is one of many experiences that people have in these situations. And by now, this was in the 70s, but not now after 30, 40 years, 50 years, near-death experiences, there's been a very um, strong effort on the part of uh, medical professionals and professional academics and scientists even to really explore this, these out-of-body experiences that people have, near-death experiences. Now, very much popularized by Oprah and other talk shows and whatnot. You, you, you hear the story of the white light and all of these kinds of things, you know. And I think from a Christian perspective, what you would want to be mindful of is that anything that the people report um, about heavenly realms, none of that can be verified. Okay, so we don't know any of that stuff. We would, we should never take that. These stories about seeing a white light or going through a tunnel, we should never regard them as kind of privileged views into heaven, okay? because they're unconfirmable. They're subjective experiences that these people have. But when they report things that happen that can be verified within the physical realm, uh, we should take that seriously. And what we see in the case of Kimberly Clark and this woman Maria, and in, and in uh, dozens if not hundreds of other very well, and we were talking there's thousands of stories, but in terms of dozens, at least, uh, or maybe even hundreds of very well-confirmed s- stories of people um, having out-of-body experiences after they go through cardiac arrest, and they say, you know, I saw the doctor took my dentures and put it in the third drawer on that desk over there. Go look, right, they're right there. You know, that, that those sorts of confirmations, when the person's heart is stopped and there's no brain activity, there should be no consciousness, they're technically dead. Okay, What we see here is a very clear distinction between the body and the soul. We see that the soul transcends the body. It can't be limited and contained or reduced to the body. There is such a thing as the human soul. I think these are very clear uh, examples that show us this. In today's Gospel, Jesus says, Show me this coin. Whose image and whose inscription is on this coin? And they say, well, it's Caesar's. We just give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. The implication is that human beings are made in God's image, and we have his inscription upon us. And what Jesus is talking about is our soul. We have an immaterial, spiritual soul. And that's what it is to be made in God's image. We're spiritual beings. We're not just animals. We're what's traditionally referred to as a rational animal. We have a rational or spiritual soul. So we're not just biological entities. We have a spiritual component to us that is immortal and cannot die. And this is what it is to be made in God's image. How amazing is the spiritual person is someone made in God's image? You can take the entire material universe the entire material universe, and if you compare it to one human being who has a soul made in God's image, the value, the worth, the dignity, 
of that one person would outweigh the entire universe, the entire material universe. That's how amazing it is to be a spiritual being. Now, what's this inscription that Jesus talks about? I think the inscription is bringing us one level higher. The inscription is God's grace given to a soul through the sacrament of baptism. God, as it were, is personally writing his signature on us when we're given the grace of baptism. You take that soul, one soul worth more than the entire material universe, and now you have lifted it and elevated it to a level of existence that's, that's God's own existence. It's a share in God's own divine life. It's a soul now illuminated and transformed and engraced by God's own supernatural divine life. How amazing is that? And that's why it's symbolized by a coin. It's worth. There's, a, there's an issue of value going on here. Jesus calls us the, the Pharisees who are trying to trap him. He calls them hypocrites. You know, a hypocrite is someone whose outer life and their inner life don't line up. If we have received this amazing gift of a soul and also the grace of God through baptism, which is a very interior and spiritual thing, how ought we to conduct our external lives such that our outer lives and our inner lives correspond and that we are not hypocrites? And that we take that incredible, valuable gift of a soul and, and a soul enlivened by grace, and we don't ever compromise the integrity of that invisible, internal, eternal, immortal reality. Don't ever compromise or lose or take for granted. Jesus shed his blood to merit for us that gift of grace. God created us, and then Jesus shed his own blood for us to receive that grace. What an awesome gift, my brothers and sisters. So in the baptismal liturgy, it reads like this. After the child receives the white garment, the baptismal garment, the priest says, With your family and friends to help you by word and example, bring that dignity unstained into the everlasting life of heaven. So my brothers and sisters, we've been clothed from on high with amazing Grace. We've been given a soul and then we've been clothed from on high with an amazing grace. And let's bring that, that dignity unstained into the everlasting life of heaven.